Jesus. Wow, Jesus. Amen, Jesus. <laughs> Amen. You can run, but you can't hide. I'm going to love you anyway. Patrick and Jackie are here tonight, and they are leading our 18 to 20-something group, and they are now going to find their little niche somewhere out there. So if you're following that group, the Studio 7, Patrick and Jackie, you all are now welcome to join them. And uh, we're delighted that you're here tonight. I've got anticipation in my spirit. I know that the Holy Spirit has been moving all day upon every one of our lives, gathered us together in this room for a specific assignment and purpose, and we're excited to see what He's going to do. So right now, before you do anything, close your eyes and lift your hands up both to the to the Lord tonight. And I want you to begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Lord. We just bless you tonight, Father. We glorify your name. Lord, we glorify you tonight. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for anointing. Thank you for deliverance. Thank you for healing. Thank you for miracles, Lord. Thank you for breakthrough. Thank you, Lord, for the victory that is in Jesus, giving you all the glory, Lord, all praise. Hallelujah. Come, Holy Spirit, reign in this place. Thank you, Lord. We worship, worship, worship. We worship you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. How many have expectation tonight? Amen. I've got expectation tonight. And so without further ado, my very good friend of many, many years, I don't even like to count them of how many, but it's been a long time, all the way from Bradford, England, a great apostle that God has raised up, really no stranger here to the east side. I think he's kind of roamed around here a little bit recently coming from First Assembly in Lyndhurst, as well as uh, Living Waters somewhere, where were you at? Euclid. And uh, I know where Euclid is, that's up north. And so uh, we're just grateful to have him tonight. He travels the nations, brings a prophetic word out of his belly. So come on, Church on the North Coast, get up on your feet again and welcome Pastor Paul Hubbard as he comes to minister the word of the Lord. Paul? Down here somewhere. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Please be seated. Well, it's always wonderful to be with uh, Pastor Louie and Pastor Tina and the family and all of you. How many people know me from before who seen me around? Okay, some of you not seen me. But it's wonderful to be here. I bring greetings from England. Do you all understand my lingo? This is the real deal. You've all wanted to speak English. <laughs> now you can practice. <laughs> okay, well, it's wonderful to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's uh, always a joy. We've been having a blast this week. It's been great. We see lots of people healed and delivered and God doing all sorts of wonderful things. So I know that he'll just carry on doing that. I'd like you to turn to Luke chapter 24, please. That's Luke 24. 
The other day I was preaching somewhere and I said, uh, I want you all to turn to Habakkuk. And everyone looked at me in bewilderment. And they told me that that's not the way to pronounce it. And then they told me what was the way. And I just went, no, that is a joke. (laughs) But the Gospel of Luke... um, And we're going to read from verse 13. It says, Now behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. So it was, while they conversed and reasoned, that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. And he said to them, what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? Then the one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And have you not known the things which happened here in in these days? And he said to them, what things? So they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet mighty indeed and word before God and all the people. And how the chief priests and all the rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us. When they did not find his body and came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said. But him they did not see. Then he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken, ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Then they drew near to the village where they were going, and he indicated that he would have gone further. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is is well spent. And he went in to stay with them. Now it came to pass as he sat at the table with them that he took bread, blessed and broke it and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they knew him and he vanished from their sight. And they said to one another, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us? So they rose up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together saying, the Lord is risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. And they're told about the things that had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. Praise the Lord. Amen. Wonderful scripture. Well, I sensed as I was praying about tonight that the Lord said to me very clearly that you were all moving into a new dimension. A whole new dimension um, that is coming upon you uh, fairly quickly. But that there were some things that he had to do in order for you to move in it even quicker or, or, or in the, the time that he's allotted you to do it. But there's some things that you need to do in order to walk into that new dimension. Now I want you to bear in mind that the context of this is that Jesus had risen from the dead. So I just want you to think for a minute that Jesus was walking in a whole new dimension. He died, and three days later, he brought the kingdom of God in power and majesty with him everywhere that he was moving. So Jesus was interacting in a whole other dimension 
but within this kingdom of the world. He was interacting in this kingdom, but with the kingdom of God everywhere with him. The angels were with him, the power of God was there, everything was there. He was walking in a different dimension. Now, of course, he'd, he'd walked in that dimension as a man on the earth, but, but now he was walking as a glorified man and in that, in it, bringing that dimension to all that were uh, seeing him and, 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 and talking with him. So the difficulty was, the challenge was for the disciples to enter into that same dimension. And you could say it's the same for us. That's the difficulty for us to enter into, or the challenge for us, to enter into the dimension that is already here. Because many people, of course, when they talk about the coming of Jesus, they're often talking about something that's going to happen. You know, they're thinking about the big trumpet's going to sound, or there's going to be the rapture and the coming of Jesus. But I I want to just uh, suggest to you that actually Jesus and the kingdom is coming all the time. And you will remember in Matthew 16 that Jesus has this um, talk with Peter um, and he asks him, who do you say that I am? And, you know, who does everybody else say that I am, etc., etc. And then he says, right at the end of that chapter, he says, I tell you the truth that some of you will not die before you see the kingdom coming in power and majesty. Do you remember that? It's right at the end of 16, chapter 16. And in, ver- in chapter 17, the first three verses of 17, it says that Jesus is transfigured before him and Elijah and Moses appear with him on the mountain. Now that's pretty spectacular, isn't it? What was that? That was the coming of the kingdom on the earth. That's the coming of the kingdom on the earth in power and majesty. And I just want to tell you that Jesus is doing this often, every day, every day of every week, somewhere on the earth, Jesus is breaking through like that every day, every moment. It's not, it's not like he's, he's somewhere up there and he's all locked out and he's not involved. No, Jesus is making appearances and the kingdom of God is breaking through on the earth every day of the week. And in fact, I know it to be true because I have experienced that personally many times. That the kingdom has come, the glory of God has been there, the angels have been there, and God's been doing incredible things. And I mean, I don't, I just, I don't just mean, you know, that you, you feel like, ooh, it's the presence of God. No, I mean, he's here. Ooh, powerful, powerful. So... You see, the kingdom had come, and Jesus is walking in that dimension, and he's wanting to get all the disciples into that new dimension. And it's the same for you. He wants you to walk in that dimension now. It's the same for all of us. He wants us to walk in that dimension when we walk into the restaurant. He wants us to walk in that dimension when we go to the shops. He wants us to walk in the kingdom and in the power of the kingdom. Um, And and many people are waiting for God to do something more. You know, they're waiting for for something more to happen. But the truth is that actually he can't do any more because he's done it all. It's a finished thing. So every time we're saying, oh, God, do something more. You know, we're waiting for this and we're waiting for that. God's just going, actually, son, do you see him down there? I've done everything. It's ready. All I have to do is learn how to walk in that dimension of the kingdom. Like natural, supernatural people. That's what we've got to do. And this is what he was doing with the disciples here on the Emmaus Road. And this is what he says. Emmaus, of course, means hot springs. So, so whether or not they knew it, 
They were going the wrong. They were going out of Jerusalem towards Emmaus, um, and and they were sad. We know that because it says so. Um, but actually, they were going towards hot springs, and I want to tell you that we're going towards hot springs. And I'm not talking about hot springs out there. I'm talking about hot springs in here. Oh, Jesus. Some hot springs in here. Because this is where the well is. This is where the the living water is stored. The living water is not out there. The living water is in here. Amen. Because Jesus said, John chapter 7 verse 38, he said that the Holy Ghost is going to be springing up like a fountain on the inside of you. So let's get out of the Old Testament thing about, you know, well, there's going to be a river flowing through. No, the river is flowing through you. That's where the river of glory is in you. You are. You've got the hope of glory on the inside of you. That's where the river is flowing. Amen? We need to get out some of the Old Testament stuff and get into some of the New Testament stuff. Because that's where we live. We live in the dispensation of a New Testament, a new covenant. We're not in the Old Testament. The glory of God's not in a box. The glory of God's inside you. Ooh, glory. Woo! Come on, look at yourself. Point at yourself. The glory of God's in there. Ooh, yeah, just woo! <laughs> yeah! Okay, so the walking towards hot springs, just like you are. It doesn't matter if you're disappointed. It doesn't matter if you're sad. It doesn't matter if there's pain. It doesn't matter if there's a challenge coming up. With Jesus, you are walking towards hot springs. And he wants to see that spring well up inside you. And you know, I don't know if you know, do you remember that? It says, sing, sing to the well. In the Old Testament, it said, sing to the well. And sometimes we've got to sing to the well. Speak to the well. Huh? Spring up a well. Yeah, that's the one, spring up a well. You've got to sing to the well inside yourself. You know, not externally, internally. Internally, this is where... God's done the work in us. So anyway, they're walking along, traveling that same day to the village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem, and they talked together of all the things that had happened. Now, what, what were the things that had happened? The things that had happened, you know, they'd, they'd given their all to Jesus. They were believing the promises of the kingdom. They'd heard about the Father. They thought that Jesus was going to ride into Jerusalem and take over. And they thought that the army was going to come and he was going to establish the kingdom. That's what they really thought was going to happen. And then in front of their very eyes, Jesus died on a cross. At that point, many of them, I believe, were going, what have we believed? Why why did we give ourselves to this? But you see, the life of the kingdom comes from death. It all comes from death. So if we want to live, we have to die. That's what Jesus says. If we want to live, we have to die. But you see, we don't go around like, oh, I'm dying. Oh, oh I'm dying. It's so, <laughs> I'm dying, I'm dying. No, when you're dying, you're living. You, you understand me? It's not like you die for 20 years and then live. No, you die every day and live every day. You're dying to live. So, you see, the thing about the kingdom is that Jesus had to die in order to break through. The kingdom had to come through into the earth. And when he died and he said, it's finished, the kingdom of God, like never before, broke through on the earth in all power. And you remember the Holy Ghost got behind the veil of the, he got behind the veil and tore it from top to bottom. Huh? And he went... That's it, I'm coming after you. 
You see, it, 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 it wasn't about you. It's not you that went after Jesus. It's not you that did that. It's not, it, it's not you. All you did was say yes. Jesus chased you down. He came from behind a veil. He tore it in two and he went, I'm fed up of being inside there. I want to be inside those. Tore that thing in two and came to live in your heart. And you said, yeah, but I, I said, yes, yes, that's what you did. You said, yes. But that was because the grace of God came upon you. And in that grace was a gift given called faith. And when someone told you about Jesus, all you did was say yes. Everything else was God. That's how much he loves you. That's how much he loves me. Now that's pretty exciting, isn't it? I could get excited about that. Just think that's how much he loves you. Isn't it wonderful? Look at someone and say, crack a smile. Crack a smile. You need to smile tonight. Crack a smile. (laughs) So anyway, these two are talking together of all that had happened in Jerusalem. And I don't know if you know what this is like, but, but oftentimes when two people talk together and, and they're down, and, and they're, they're getting down, they like get even more down. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, when you're friends, you, you've got friends, haven't you? And when you talk to your friends, they're friends because they agree with you about everything. They're friends because you like them and they're like you and you agree about everything. And sometimes friends don't really do, do each other any good because they talk together and they go, oh, we didn't, we, we didn't like it this Sunday. We didn't like the worship this Sunday. And they go, oh, no, we, we didn't like the worship either. Didn't like the preacher either. That guy from Bradford, no, didn't like him. No, no, I didn't like him either. And before they know what they're doing, they've agreed with, it, with, with each other and they're walking out the back doors. No, this, this often happens in church circles, honestly. Agree with each other, you know, we're best buddies and we counsel each other. Well, actually, you've got to think about this. Because these two are walking along and they're getting more and more down. They're not having a good day. And um, they're good friends. But actually, we need more than just friends. Can I just suggest to you that you not only need friends who you can talk together about things, but you need a prophet and a priest. You need someone who you can confess. Hello? Oh, there we go. Who you can confess your sin to, and of course, hear me out. Of course you confess your sin to Jesus. But sometimes it's good to confess your sin to one another. Because when you confess your sin to one another, you can get healed. You understand me? Not that you can't when you confess your sin to Jesus, but what happens when you confess your sin to one another is that you know that you've confessed and repented, and therefore there's a door open for the healing power of God to come in. You understand me? Whereas sometimes when we, when we think we're doing business with Jesus, actually we're beating around the bush. So sometimes it's good to confess your, your sin to another. But, but like David, David had a best buddy. You remember his best buddy? His, bed, his best buddy was his armor bearer, Jonathan. They were the best of friends. But God gave him a prophet and a priest. And he gave him that because he knew that there would come a time when Jonathan, in fact, this is really, it's true. When I can't remember what chapter it is, you know, but it's somewhere in Kings. I think it's Kings or Chronicles. But anyway, it comes to a place called Ramah, which is the headquarters where the prophets were. And of course, he'd given him a prophet and a priest. And Nathan the prophet was there that very day when he went there. But David didn't go to the prophet 
And he didn't go to the priest, but he went to his best friend, Jonathan. And Jonathan said to him, whatever you want, I'll agree with whatever you want. You say it, I'll do it. We're best buddies. And they then agreed upon something that actually led to the slaughter of three and a half thousand people. And, and, and it was only a little white lie. But there's no such thing as a little white lie. You see, God had given him, so, so in the very place where there was a prophet, in the very place where there was a priest, David decided he'd share with his best bud instead. And it did him no good at all. So I just want to say to you that it's wonderful that you have best friends and you need best friends. You need those friends around you. But you also need counselors who will help you to know the will of God. That, of course, is why the church has apostles and prophets and pastors and teachers and evangelists so that we might know the will of God because they're not likely just to agree with you. I have people like your dear Pastor Louis, who is my dear Pastor Louis, who I will send things in the post. This is true, is it not? I will send things in the post or by email and say, I I really need you to look at this. I want you to look at it and I want you to tell me whatever you need to tell me. Just tell me it. And I have people like that who will speak the counsel of God to me. Because sometimes my friends and I have the best friends in the world. And, and, and those are friends as well. Those counselors are friends as well. But I have other friends who, who, who just look out for me all the time. And, and they'd agree with me just to make me feel better. But I need people who are going to tell me the truth all the time as well. So, so just think about who is influencing you on your journey. And don't, and don't just sit there and, and look like that. Just put it down. Mark it down. You understand me? I've said it now. And if, if it's true, then you, you will get the opportunity to be tested on it. If, if you're saying amen to what I'm saying, then you'll get tested on it. You understand me? So the next time you go to your friends, the Lord might go, knock on your door and go, hey, have you shared that with someone else? Who would you counsel? Did you check it out to make sure that you were doing the right move? Not just the move that you want to do? So anyway, these two are walking down influence, you see. That's all about influence, isn't it? They're walking down, and they are suffering from pain, from uh, trauma, you see, because what they went through was trauma. That was traumatic for them. You, you realize that it was so traumatic that none of them could watch Jesus. It says that even of his best, his closest friends, it said that they looked on from afar. And... Everyone else ran away from him. So, so we know that the disciples fled. They, they went away from him. But Martha and uh, his own mother and John, they looked on from afar. There was no one with him on that walk carrying the cross. Which is why the father had to send an unknown father into Jerusalem to, who was compelled to carry his cross. You remember, you remember Simon Serene. Well, that's what he had to do because at that point, Jesus was dying. And the father knew that he had to get to accomplish the mission completely. So he sent an unknown father, the father of two. What was it? Alexander and Rufus, I think they called him. He sent a father of two, an unknown father. Just think how, how incredible that is that actually the father, father God, the father of all of Jerusalem, all of Israel, His son was walking through Jerusalem and no one would carry the cross for him. So the father upstairs had to make sure that there was a father downstairs to carry the son's cross. Huh? 
That's an amazing thought, isn't it? The unknown father walking through Jerusalem compelled to carry the cross of his son. Amazing. Amazing thought. But you see, they had pain, they had trauma, they were going through difficulties, what they'd experienced and seen with their eyes, disappointment, sadness. All these things had surrounded their spirit man with a mist by which they could not see Jesus. Now listen carefully to what I'm saying because really what happens to us often is that we go through all sorts of difficulties, pains, traumas, things that are going on around us, and those things affect us emotionally. They affect us in our soul realm, in our emotions, our thinking. They affect us, and it's like if we don't deal with those things, they cause a mist around our spirit man. Because you're not, you're not just a blob of a spirit, but you are a spirit person. You understand me? Inside that flesh is a spirit person. Inside me, there's not just this blob that's called a spirit. There's a person who is Paul. Who's even better looking than what you're looking at now. Can you believe that? I mean, that is hard to get over, isn't it? But, 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 but round our spirit, man, you see, if we don't deal with those disappointments, pains, with that trauma, with those things that we have believed for and hoped for, but it hasn't happened and we got disappointed, if we don't deal with it and be real about it, it becomes as a mist around our spirit man and the eyes of our understanding, the eyes that are in your spirit being, which is what Paul talks about in Ephesians, those eyes don't see Jesus in the way that they should see him. And this is why it says here, It says in their talk, so while it was, they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. Why were their eyes restrained? Because actually, even though they could see naturally, they could not see with the eyes of the understanding. And you remember Nathaniel, was it Nathaniel in John chapter 1? At the end of John chapter 1, Jesus comes up and he sees Nathaniel. And Nathaniel looks at Jesus and he said, you are the son of God, you are the Christ, the anointed one. Do you remember that? And he said it the first time that he looked at him. Why was that? Jesus said, this man, there's no guile in him. There's no deceit in him. There's something about his spirit that sees clearly. There's nothing stopping him from seeing Jesus. Whereas lots of people in Jerusalem and Israel, when they looked at Jesus, they couldn't see the Messiah. All he saw was a man. All he saw was this man that was walking through who was not of any appearance. He didn't didn't look like they wanted him to look. And when when they looked at him, they could not recognize the Messiah. But Nathaniel recognized him instantly. Well, this is a little bit like we are. You see, even though the kingdom... I want to tell you, just a little while ago, I was on holiday with some very good friends of ours. We were on holiday in Rhodes, and we were sat in the lobby. And we began to converse together. And I want to tell you, it was, a, it was as though it was the kingdom that came down in the lobby. Oh, it was so powerful. And anyone that stepped into it felt something. They didn't know what they were feeling, but they knew that something was surrounding us in that lobby. And it, it was an absolutely glorious time. But what we, what we realized is that people were oblivious. We were sat there, 
and could nearly feel and touch the power and the kingdom of God and knew there were angels around and people in the lobby could not see anything or feel anything because inside their spirit man was completely dead or they just had a mist over them. So you see, the eyes, the eyes of our understanding, they can, it, it's like a mist around us. So, so you see, there's a new dimension for you all to walk in the kingdom, to walk in the supernatural, to be natural, to be normal, but supernatural. It's there, just waiting for you. But before some of you can actually enter into that, you have to deal with those things that have been pains and trauma. And I don't mean taking long time over this. I don't mean go, going through all sorts of agonizing things. But let's see how Jesus did it. Okay, are you with me? Because Jesus wanted to break them into this new dimension. But he did it in a very special way. Because he is very special. And this is what he says, but their eyes were restrained so that they didn't, did not know him. And he said to them, what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk in a sad? Did he not know? Of course he knew what conversation it was they were having. Of course he knew exactly what they were thinking. He knew exactly what they were talking about. He knew exactly what was going on inside them. But he wanted them to recognize where they were. Because before they could get into the new, they had to deal with the old. And you see, there's lots of Christians everywhere who want to get into the kingdom. They want to get into the new. They're crying out and praying and saying, God, do this and God, do that. But actually, the reason that they don't get in is because they've not dealt with the old things. Because you have to deal with the old and get closure on the old before you can get into the new. Are you with me? So this is what he says. He says, so Jesus, now can you imagine this? I, I just think it's absolutely lovely. I do honestly. You're absolutely lovely. That Jesus, the risen Lord, came down. You know, if it had been me, I've said to Jesus often, you know, if that had been me, Lord, I'd have been going, come on, dummies, it's me. I, I'd have been like, come on, Jim, you know me, you've done me teeth many times, it's me. <laughs> I'd have been saying that to them. But Jesus went, he could see where they were at. And he wanted to meet them where they were at, not where he was at. Although, ultimately, he wanted them where he was at. But he began where they were at. So he says, what kind of conversation is this? And now he does something wonderful. He starts them thinking about what has gone on. What is it that's gone on? Just recall... What has gone on? Don't be frightened of it. Recall it, both the good and the bad. And the good, recall that and remind yourself of all the goodness and the provision of God. We sang a song, didn't we, tonight? About the provision and the goodness of God. Remind yourself about those things. But at the same time, don't be afraid and don't deny the bad things that have taken place. Because the bad things, God can redeem them and make them good as well. You understand me? There's nothing that bad that God can't redeem for you. In fact, the whole point is that Jesus is going to redeem it and he's going to teach you through it and it will make you a person that you were meant to be. You understand me? Lots of people don't want to look at the past. 
But you've got, to, you've got to look at the past and bring it before the Lord, unashamed of it. Or maybe you are ashamed of it, but what I mean is that you're not, you're not scared about bringing it before him. You're not denying that that was the past. You're just saying, Jesus, you already know that this is my past, but I don't want to stop this past from getting me in to my future. So I'm going to lay out for you, Lord. I'm going to lay the good things out. I'm going to tell you about the good things and bless you and remind you of all the good things and remind me of all the good things. But at the same time, I'm going to recall some of the not-so-good things and bring them before you so that you might get into those, redeem them for me, and make them a strength instead of a weakness. So basically, this is what he says. He says, then one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, are you the only stranger? Now, I often, I often think about this. Jesus was their best friend, the greatest teacher, the one who was closest to him, but he'd become a stranger. Now, I, I can tell you this, that sometimes when you're going through a transition, and we go through many transitions in life, and this was a transition. He's getting them from the old into the new. He's taking them from an old place to a new place. When we go through transitions, sometimes the very people that have helped us to come this far become a stranger to us. Now, that again is because of pain that we are going through. It's because of hurt. And, and we, we often want to put, tag people with our own pain. Do you understand me? We want to blame someone for our pain. So if we can't stand what, what pastor, pastor's saying today, and we can't deal with it, what we do is we reflect it back onto him and say, actually, it's a problem that, that the pastor's got. No, honestly, this is what people do all the time. They just give it to someone else because they don't, they're not willing to deal with it. And that's why they don't get any further in the journey. But they said to him, are you the only stranger? I, I mean, can you imagine? I, I don't know how he, he's so gracious, isn't it? Stranger, I'd be tapping him on the head. Stranger, didn't I just walk with you for three and a half years? Am I a stranger to you now? Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? Have you not known the things which have happened here in these days? And he said to them, What things? What conversation is it you have? You know something? I went to a oh, it was wonderful. I, I went to a, a, a conference a little while ago in the UK um, for. for, for for a, a large stream of churches in our country. And I was invited there to, to, come, and, to come and talk to them. And as I was talking, I, I felt like the Lord was showing me certain things. And he was showing me the little clicks. You know, do you have this word clicks? The little clicks, even in the leadership of, of these churches, where they'd been talking together about one another. And I didn't realize that even as I was talking to them, I was kind of bringing out all those things that had been said that they wanted to keep secret. And, and the weekend ended wonderfully because they all repented. They all had a beautiful time and they just went on with the Lord. I mean, it's a, it's a wonderful story. But what I'm saying is that really, what things? What things have you been talking about? What are the issues that are going on? What, what, what are the conversations that you have together? What are the things that you are saying? Because he wants to know. He doesn't want to know for his sake. 
He wants you to know what you're saying and where you're at. Just like he did with Adam and Eve. You remember? Where, where are you? Did he not know? Of course he knew. But he wanted them to find out where they were at. So where are you? Where are you in what's going on? And what are you talking about? What conversations are you having? Where are you in what is happening in your own life? Are you ready to move into a new dimension? Because I believe that God's knocking on the door here to bring you into a new place. But the only way you'll get in is when you identify the old stuff, thank him for the good stuff that's in it, but also bring the bad stuff and deal with it properly. Because you cannot deceive him. You cannot deceive him. You understand me? The only person that you deceive is you. So give that one up straight away. And let's just get a clean slate together. You see, because that's really what God wants to do. It's not enough for the Lord just to see one or two or three or four or 20 people in the church baptized in the Holy Ghost, submitting to the vision that God has given. It's not enough for him. He wants to see a whole house. He wants to see this whole house submerged in the power of God, a corporate baptism in Holy Ghost fire, submitted to the word of God and going on together as a family and as an army. But together, that's what he wants to see. And he wants to see it in every household, everywhere. It's just that we don't want it. We say that we do, we pray for it, we beg for it, we sing for it, we say amen about it, but in the end we don't really want it because it means that we have to give up some of the things that we've been holding on to. So anyway, he says, what things? So they said to him, and now this is where it gets good. They begin to talk about it. They begin to remember and recall the things that have gone on. That's what they begin to do. And in these next verses, that's what they're doing. They're recalling the things, remembering what's going on. And, and, and you can nearly hear them getting excited. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us when they did not find his body. They came saying, but they'd also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. So now you can feel them going, hang on a minute. Maybe what they said is true. But he stayed them where they were and worked them to a place where faith was beginning to rise now. Faith was beginning to come through. So when they did not find his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. Okay, so now they've got, they've journeyed with him. And he has brought them to a place where now he can deal with them. He's brought them to this place. And then he says, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe, in all that the prophets have spoken, ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And still he's talking about himself as though he's not there. Ought not the Christ to have done these things, suffered this way? You, you understand me? He's still, he's still talking like that. But he rebukes them. And can I say that rebuke and correction and exhortation are all part of the diet that God has got for you and for me. Rebuke, correction, exhortation, all part of it. And if you don't want it and you refuse to be rebuked, refuse to be corrected, then you actually show yourself to be an illegitimate child. According to what Hebrews says. So don't you be all upset when someone comes along 
when the pastor stands up and has to rebuke you or correct you on something, don't you get all offended and walk out the door because it's for your good as well as for all the house's good. It's all part of the diet that God has got for us. So anyway, he says this, ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory. And beginning at Moses, in this wonderful and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So even now, the risen Jesus, the ascended one, he stood with them, glorified, stood with them, talking with them. And he says, actually, what does it say? What's the book say? Have you ever thought about that? So he's there in person. And yet he says, I want to tell you, this is what the book says. It's the word, you see. This is the word. Jesus referred to the word in order to get them to a place where they could see him. You understand me? Lots of people are going, oh, we want to see Jesus. Oh, we want to have a revelation of him. We want to see the glory of God. I want to tell you, you won't see without the word. You won't see without the word. Because it's the word that shows you him. It's the word that reveals him to you. You understand me? It's the word. How much word you have in your life, how much word you have in that reservoir, It's so important. That's why you have to sit under the word. The word is not going to go away. You understand me? There's been seasons in church, in church life, where, where there's been power and there's been presence. But in the end, it's not just the power and the presence, it's the word within us that changes us. It's the word. So, He says, beginning at Moses, all the prophets, he expounded to them all the scriptures of things concerning himself. And then they drew with the village where they were going and he indicated that he would have gone further. He always wants to go further. He's always got some more. There's always more. Just when you think you've got plenty, there's always more because he's got more for us. But sometimes he has to say, no, no, I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry, girls. You're not in a place to be able to receive it. Do you remember he said that to the disciples somewhere in John? He said, I'm sorry. I can't give you any more. I want to give you some more, but you're not in a place to be able to receive it yet. You see, because that's that's because the word has got to get into us in such a way that it doesn't just cleanse us, but that it makes us the people that we are meant to be. Because in John 15, Jesus talks talks to the disciples and he said, you're clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. In other words, the word's going out, the word's going out. Jesus sat in the boat on the mountain, talking to them, going with them, shopping, doing whatever he does. He's with them. The word's going out. It's cleaning their minds like a car wash. And it's a bit like this in the church. You know, people come in on a Sunday, the car wash. Just washes all, all of our minds and we bring all the things before him. Nice big car wash. We go out feeling refreshed and wonderful. And then on Monday and Tuesday we meet the world again and we get, we get dirty. And we go again on Sunday and go, nice big car wash. Come out feeling good. Same again. Jesus says, I don't just want the word to cleanse you. I want the word to live in you. In fact, I want to abide in you and I want you to abide in me. And when you abide, when I abide in you, my word will be in you. And then you will ask whatever you want. Why? Because his word transforms your mind. 
His word transforms your mind so even the things you begin to dream about, you're not going, oh, I'm scared. Is that the flesh? Is it the devil? Is it carnality? You know, the things that I'm dreaming about. No, because your mind's been transformed. You're beginning to dream and desire what God himself wants for your life. So you're not going around all fearful and terrified that it could be the devil or the flesh. But the word's got to get in us. And the word's got to abide in us. And then we stay clean. And when we should sin, that's what John says, isn't it? 1 John chapter 2. He says, uh, we have an advocate in heaven so that if we should sin, we can come to him and he'll cleanse us. But the whole premise is, and John's an old man by this time when he's writing this book, but um, the, the whole premise is that there is a place that we can walk where we are clean. Can you imagine that? You see, that's, that's where we're meant to be. We're meant to be able to look at each other and be clean. We're meant to be able to look at one another and be clean and be pure. There's meant to be a purity in us. There's meant to be a transparency about us. There's meant to be this kind of love that's between us that we know one another. But we never give each other up. You understand me? We love one another. A purity of heart. This is where the Holy Ghost is taking the church. It's just that we, we, it's like we're on the threshold of it, but we're not, we're not sure if we want it or not because it's a little bit frightening to live in that place. But that's where, that's where John's living. He's living that place. And I want to live that place. How many want to live it? I want to live that place, don't you? So anyway, this is what he says. Let's carry on. It says, um, but they constrain him saying, abide with us with us for it is toward evening and the day is far spent and he went in to stay with them isn't it beautiful that you know what I am absolutely certain that the three in one wants to live within us absolutely certain I am sure that Jesus wants to make his home with us that the Holy Ghost wants to be within us and the Father wants to live there too according to John 14 and somewhere like 27 that's what Jesus said he said he said, if you will obey my word and my commands, then I'll come and live with you and my father will come and be in you as well. Won't it be wonderful when we hear not only the voice of Jesus, but the voice of the father speaking to us and the Holy Ghost whispering to us. Huh? The three in one within us. But you see, like a, like a, like a house, we are like a house, like a temple. And there's many rooms in us. And he has to clear all these out. He has to clean them all out. You have to let, open every door. Let in the king of glory open every door, every little hidden place. You know, sometimes people sweep stuff under the carpet and they, you know, they throw the rubbish in the closet or whatever. Not the closet because that's probably the toilet. I don't know. But anyway, they throw, they, they throw the things into these little cubbyholes and hide it under the bed and all that. But Jesus goes, no, no. We're not going to have any of that. None of the hidden stuff under the bed, none under, none under the carpet. I want the glory everywhere, in every room. So let me in. Let me in. And the more that we allow him to come, the more that we allow him to build the house, the more he will live within us in all his power, the three in one God. So anyway, they're there. Abide with us, for it is toward evening. And he went in to stay with them. Now it came and passed as he sat at the table with them, that he broke bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to them. This is wonderful. This is intimate communion with Jesus. 
Now, now they're eating of him. Now they're eating of him. And this is what he wants for us. Intimate communion. Eating of him. Enjoying him. Being with him. Sitting and enjoying with him. And this is what he says. Uh, now we can't pass up. Then their eyes were opened and they knew him. You see, because as they've been talking, he's, he's taking it from them. What, you see, many times we have things inside us, but those things have got to get outside us. You, you understand me? They've not got to stay in here. They've got to get out of us. And when they come out of us, if we're willing and we give it to him, he takes it. Many times I've seen people healed who actually I say to them, you know, put that pain right in your hand now. Put, put it there right now. Now, now you're going to go up and you're going to lay it down. Lay it down. And they do it. And I say, okay, now we're going to take that pain away. And immediately they feel a release. Because that pain, they're seeing it as coming out of them. They're not keeping it anymore. They're bringing it out of themselves and giving it over to him. And he can take it and they can get free. But you see, as long as you keep it down there, as long as you keep it hidden, he can't get it. So we have to, and that's what they were doing. They were sharing, sharing, sharing. And he's going, okay, I'm taking this, I'm taking this now. Bringing them through to a new place. And then it says, um, then their eyes were opened and they knew him. So now they're seeing from a spirit place. Seeing with their eyes. Seeing. We've got to begin to be able to see him. Discern when he's around. Discern what he's doing. Seeing the kingdom. You see, you can't, you can't see the kingdom. You can't experience the kingdom if you were all misted over with the things of the past, with the pain of the past. Can I say this as well about pain? Some of you need to know this. That, that Jesus does not take memories from you. He takes pain out of the memories. You, you understand me? He's not going to blank you. He's not going to wipe you blank like a robot that's got no, no memory of anything. You understand me? All those things that you've been through that have been traumatic and painful, those things that you got yourself into, those difficult things that happened, he doesn't just wipe those things out. No, he wipes out the pain. So that you can go, well, I've been through this and this and this and this, but he's redeemed it all. I remember it, but I don't have any pain about it anymore now. You see, because then when you're talking to someone else, you can actually get them free. You understand me? Oh, I've, there's so many things that have happened in my life before I was a Christian that, that, that for many years I, I, couldn't even, I couldn't even share with anyone without those things making me shake and tremble inside. Because fear would get a hold of me. You understand me? That, that's when you know you're not free. Because fear's on the inside of you and you're still remembering the smells. You're still seeing what went on. You've still got the pain of it. But when you really give that stuff to Jesus, he comes along and takes the pain. And it's beautiful. It's so freeing. It's so wonderful. So, he says, Then their eyes were opened and they knew him and he vanished from their sight. Boy, doesn't he, doesn't, do, doesn't he do that a lot of times? Don't, now you just think about it. Isn't it, isn't it sometimes when pastor, pastor's preaching and you just got a revelation? Oh, I've seen him, I've seen him, I've got it. And you walk out of the back of the door, I've got it, I've got it, I've got it. Oh, that was a revelation, it was fantastic. And the next day, you feel like, oh, what happened to that revelation? Well, it's still there, but you've got to live it. You've got to live it. The whole point is, 
that that revelation becomes your life. Which means that you don't just hear it, you don't just say amen to it, but you begin to do it. Because when you begin to do it, the revelation becomes life on the inside of you. And then the more that you live that life, the more it's yours. And I often think, I often think that many people, you know, they say, oh, I read this last book. It was so wonderful. You know, Kenneth Hagin said this and this and, and, and whatever the persuasion is. John Wimber said this and this and such and such said this and this and I've got it, I've got it. And I just go, no, you ain't got it. You ain't got it until you become it. It's not yours until you become it. You got the revelation of it. You saw the revelation of it. But that revelation must become life. Otherwise it means nothing. It's just another revelation. And you've got some knowledge. But it's not become wisdom for you. And there's lots of people who knows lots of things. But are completely useless in everyday life. But that's another point anyway. And they said to one another. And he vanished from their sight. And they said to one another. Did not our heart burn within us? You see it was the road to Emmaus. Did not our heart burn within us? Hot springs. We were burning. Something was going on. And I want to tell you that oftentimes. People burn. You know they hear the word. And it's like they're going. "Mm -hmm. Ooh, Something's going on. You know the foot goes. They start fiddling. Something's happening. But they're just so trained to be religious, to sit still and behave themselves, that they just keep that dour face. Don't break a smile. We're in church. Let's not be irreverent. Honestly, we're trained in these ways. But actually, it's like an eruption going on inside us. It's like a little Etna. You know, we're getting... And sometimes you just feel like you want to say something, don't you? You just want to do something. But no, keep it down, keep it down. Don't do anything. Hold on to the chair. Have you ever, have you ever been like that? <laughs> I only know this because I've done this. You understand me? I'm not just talking about you lot. I'm, I'm talking about me. I know this because I've done this. Sit there, just hold the chair. Oh, I've got to say something, Lord. Give me a moment. Ooh, I need to say something. And then it burst forth. But you've got to let it out. Amen? Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Did not our heart burn with us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us? So they rose up. Now, just think about this. This is fabulous, isn't it? It says that they rose up that very hour. So they're walking on Emmaus Road and they're walking seven miles. They're sad and downcast and they're going, they're going to bed. They're going home to bed. Or wherever they're going, they're going to put their head on the pillow and lay down because they feel down and sad and downcast. But the more that Jesus is with them, the more that he opens the scriptures, the more they feel the power inside them. And now it says, so at this late hour, it says that they rose up and they headed all the way back to Jerusalem. What had happened in that time? Hot springs, re-energized, restored revived, re-everything. Huh? If you ever wanted any words that begin with re, those, that's what happened with these guys. So now they rose up at the very hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together saying, the Lord is risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. And they told about the things that had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. Isn't it beautiful? So, so they're now re-energized, revitalized reconciled with the brothers restored refocused 
all those rewords. That's what happened to them, though. But you see, they had a journey to walk on. And I, I felt, I, I, I can't, I, it must have been yesterday. It was yesterday when I was just praying. You know, as soon as I hit America, I just pray about all the different places I'm going. And I just felt, he said to me so clearly, that you are on the edge of a new dimension, a new breakthrough. And it's not just for the house. It's not just for the house. This is the house. Can I, can I just say this now? This is the house. This is like Cornelius' house. And, and, and this is not just Cornelius, but this is Peter as well. So Peter gets a word for Cornelius' house and breaks open the word for the whole household. And how the household receive the word is how the community are going to receive it. Because Jesus said to the disciples, he said, whatever house you go into, stay there. And then, if that household does not receive the word, shake off the dust from your feet, for that city will have a greater judgment on So hang on a minute, he sends them to a house, and then he says, the whole city is going to be judged on how the house received the word. Wow. So how you receive the word that God has given into this household, and it is, listen to me, you see, this word that, that you have been given, you see, Pastor Louis and Tina are the word. They're not just a word about a vision, they are it. They are the prophetic sign of it to you. And they come and say, this word is for you, it's a vision for this house. How you then receive that word will represent how this whole community receives. So I hope you are receiving gladly, rejoicing when you're receiving, that you are giving generously, that everything about you is going, oh Jesus, this word, it's not just for our household. You see, because it's, it's, not, just for the, it's not just for the household. Here, it's for every household that's represented in this place. You realize that, that this vision for this household you are here not by coincidence. He's the great shepherd, the good shepherd, and the chief shepherd. Would you agree? Amen. All the sheep hear his voice. Would you agree? Are you a sheep? Then you're not here by coincidence. So, he sent you here to listen to this vision that he has given through this gift to this house. Would you agree? Okay, then. That, that word is not just for you, but it's for your own household. And now your responsibility is to bring that word to your own household. And then not only your own household, but this whole household, if you were part of this household, has got to get hold of this vision as though your life depends on it. Really, it is as serious as that. You are not here by coincidence. You are here because God wanted you here and he wanted to do something into this region. And he's going to do it through this house because this house is none other than the gate of heaven on the earth. You remember Genesis 28? Genesis 28 says that Jacob laid his head on a stone and he dreamt a dream. You remember it? And he, he woke up and he had, he had wonderful things going on. And he says, this is none other than the house of God, Bethel. None other than the house of God and the very gate of heaven. What was going on there? Yeah, this is the place. This is the place on earth. This place here in this region that receives, first of all, the very heart of God. Okay, God, God, God will do things in his, in his goodness and his mercy. He'll do things in the community just as he likes to do it. But the message goes from this house into this region. 
And this house is the gate of God on the earth in this region. Isn't it wonderful that? And into this house, he pours revelation, he pours visions, he pours dreams, he gives words, he sends angels. He does wonderful things in this house. So you've got to understand, it's not by coincidence. Oh no, you were specially chosen to be here in this house with this gift that God has sent to you. And you've got to understand that and see that like you've never seen it before. And when there's a word from God, you remember, however you receive it, you are representing this whole community on how they will receive it. It's powerful, isn't it? Oh, my Lord, it's powerful. Oh, glory. Glory, glory, glory. God's good, isn't he? Praise the Lord. He's so good to us. Hallelujah. So, this is why I know that he said to me, you're on the edge of a new dimension. And I, I, I have not talked to Pastor Louis other than, we, we just had tea now, didn't we? We just had dinner. Dinner, sorry. Tea. Okay, we had tea. We had tea together for, for the last hour. But he hadn't said anything to me other than there were some supernatural things taking place, which to me, it just kind of went, oh, yeah. Then I must be right on. But that's how you get. And, and maybe some of you are, well, I'm already there. Well, praise the Lord for that. But you have got to help your brothers and sisters get into that as well. Because Jesus is going, no, come on, I want you in this dimension. But there's no shortcuts into it. You've got to be honest. You've got to identify what you've been through. Thank him for the good things. And the bad things, you've got to identify it, confess it, and repent of it. And as you do that, he says, come on. Come into this new dimension. Come and enjoy it. Not just one of you, not just two of you, not just 20 of you, but all of you together. And they're your fam- and, and your families as well. That's what he wants to do. And I just want to deliver that to you tonight and say that that's what he wants to do. And remember, you are the household of God here in this place. And I've got to say, you look, you look lovely. You sound good as well. You are a very pleasant house, I can tell. And it's good to be together, isn't it? Good and pleasant. Does anyone find it good and pleasant? Praise the Lord. Look at that, Lord. They all find it good and pleasant. That's great. It's wonderful. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, so what I'd like to do, and this is what, this is what I, I, I thought uh, we should do. And it was more an impartation. It, it was an impartation of the word, which I thought the prayer this evening was very interesting as well. Because that was for a divine revelation, uh, just, a, just a common hip. And I felt like the Lord said to me, I, I, I want you to give an impartation not pray for everything singularly, but just to lay your hands on those that want it. And this word will become life in a new way to you. And in the coming weeks, you will be able to deal with some of those disappointments, some of those hurts, some of those pains, some of the things that you've gone through personally and in your families, and that God will bring you to a new place together. So, I submit that to you, Pastor. Okay, let's pray together. Let's just pray right now, and then we'll see how we're going to do it. Thank you, Father. Oh, Father, we bless you. We love you, Lord. We thank you so much, Lord, for your word, for your word to us, Lord, your truth, Father. I thank you, Jesus. Lord, we want to thank you the way in which you deal with us, Lord. 
You were so gracious to us, Lord, so merciful, Father. Father, you know what each one has been through in this house, Lord. You know what each family that is here has been through, Father. You know the pain and the disappointments. The, the, the words, Father, that they feel are yet unfil- unfulfilled. Father, you know the challenges. You know the traumas. Father, you see it all. And I ask, Father, in Jesus' name, that, Lord, tonight as we lay hands, Father, on each one that comes, that this word, Lord, would go deep into the hearts of everyone that would come, Father. And indeed, on this whole household. And, Father, that you would bring us to a new place, Lord, a new dimension that we together can enter into as a household. Father, I know that you want to baptize this house in Holy Ghost power and fire, Lord, for your glory, Lord, that you want to burn. You want to burn as a, as a, a wonderful message, Lord, in the hearts in this community, Father. You want to do incredible things, Lord. There are ministries and callings and appointings and anointings in this house, Lord, that have yet to be released for that which you have called them to do. And Father, I say in the name of Jesus, Father, those things that you have prepared beforehand, Father, those things were long ago prepared beforehand by you for your people. Father, let them be seen. Let them come in the name of Jesus. Father, even tonight, Lord, I ask in Jesus' name, Father, that there would be a release, Lord, of works that would hit the earth, Father, And the the hearts of your people in this house, Father. Lord, I'm asking it in Jesus' name, Lord. And that it would come with power, Lord. But more than that, it would come with great love, Lord, and compassion. For the poor and the needy, Father. For those who are hungering and thirsting after you, Jesus. Oh, Lord Jesus, I ask, Lord, that you would just bestow upon us gifts. Gifts, Lord. Gifts, Lord. A manifestation of gifts, Lord. Not just one gift, not just two gifts, but Lord, a manifestation of the Holy Ghost, Father, in the hearts of your people. Lord, that we might be able to use one gift and two gifts and three gifts, Father. Just just moving in, in the spirit flow, Father. Oh, Jesus, and please, Lord, we ask as well that you would give us the ability to communicate as you communicate. Lord, just like you communicated with these disciples on the road to Emmaus, Father, that you would give us the ability to see where other people are at and that we could see where they're at, Lord, and cause them, Lord, not drag them to come into something, but, Lord, just gently lead them. Gently lead them, Father, into a new pasture, into a new place. Father, give us that ability. We're calling out, Lord. We're saying, please, Lord, do this, do this, Father. On the earth, Father, in this household, Lord, Oh, and Father, we ask as well, Jesus, we ask again, Father, Lord, that there would be a building, a house, a building, Father, that would house this church, Lord. Father, a building that is just right, Lord. Father, I remember asking last time I was here, and I ask again, Father, this time, in the name of Jesus, for this place that you have already found, Lord. You've already found it, Lord. You already know it. We ask, Father, that you would pinpoint it and make it clear, Father, to Pastor Louis and Tina and that they would see it, Father, and know it and go for it, Father. And that when it comes, Lord, that the faith of this house would be raised up, Father, to be able to go for it. Oh, Jesus. We ask it, Father. Graciously, humbly, Father. And we thank you so much for all that you have done. All that you are doing and all that you will do, Father. And we give you glory for it, Father. And I thank you, Lord, that as we lay hands 
on each one tonight, Father, that there will be an impartation and revelation, Father, and that you will do whatever you want to do, Father, in the lives of these beautiful people. Father, thank you so much for the privilege and the honor, Father, of bringing your word. And Father, I bless it to each one in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Father. Well, we're just finishing up ministering here. I want to say a couple of things tonight. And uh, one is that in that text, there was a real key phrase there. The Holy Spirit really spoke to me and said, if you get a chance to tell the people, he said that on the third day, and we're living in that third day now. And they were living in it and didn't know it. And so what a blessing it is tonight for us to be introduced again to the season that you and I have been graced to live in. Isn't that a blessing tonight? It is a wonderful blessing. And we bless the man of God tonight for bringing us that understanding. He also talked about the transfiguration in Matthew 17, that the coming of the kingdom is being manifested throughout the earth. There is this manifestation. There were many that were not on the mountain. There were many that didn't understand it, even if they were on the mountain. You see? And so tonight, our desire is to be acutely sensitive to what God is doing in this hour and not to judge it from the past. I think that's a big part of what God said tonight is don't bring your past. And sometimes we always say that and tribute our pains and our sorrows. That's part of it. But don't bring your past church experiences and religious relationships into this new transfigured place. Because what did Peter and them want to do? Let's build a temple for you. We'll build one for him and for him. Because they brought what they knew into a new manifestation of what God was doing. And it's not easy to be free from those things. When you've been saved a while, it's hard to come out of those things. But we don't want to just judge what God's doing by reverting back to what is most comfortable and what's most knowledgeable for our life. I thought that was very powerful tonight. And then also he said um, that, let's see, let me if I can read my writing. Uh, oh, to first recognize where you are. Uh, I think, thank you so much. To first recognize where we are, and that is a good question to ask ourselves. It's an evaluative question, is where am I in God? And uh, to be open and honest. And I think one of the most powerful things you said tonight is don't listen to your friends because they'll be too nice. Find somebody that will tell you the truth. And uh, it's okay if you have to say the truth. Just do it in love. Smile when you say, and your breath stinks. <laughs> in other words, you say it with a smile. But... In an actuality, it is what we need tonight, for sure. Many of us have already gone home, and uh, we're going to receive a love gift for our brother tonight. He comes with no price tag. That's very refreshing to me, because I think I've had it with all the price tag preachers. And uh, uh, many of them, you may not know this, they put very big demands on you to come and speak the word of the Lord. Paul gives none. And he comes with great humility and grace. So if you'd like to give something tonight, we'll just stand at the doors on your way out. You could put it in there. We're still going to bless him as a church. 
but it'd be nice if you could sow into him and into his anointing. Now, if you want to be a part of a meeting like this again, tomorrow night we'll be in the West location. Paul's going to preach there. And it's not that far. I drive it all the time. It's only about an hour or so. And it's on Route 58 in Lorraine. So if you're making a check, make it out to CNC. We'll give the entirety of the offering to our brother, okay? But live right, okay? The days are short. Love everybody. Don't pick and choose. Pray hard because this is a season where we have to press in. So we'll see you on Sunday morning or if you want to come out tomorrow night, 7 p.m. in the West location. God love you.